Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to be with you today and to engage in this Word of God with you. Now our text today has Jesus coming to two different cities and gives us two different stories to examine. Now prior to his arrival in the first city, we read of Jesus declaring something quite radical for the time, especially to the Jews. See, Jesus' disciples had not been ceremonially washing their hands before eating. And there was a teaching that the Levite priest must wash before entering the temple, and through the years, the, the leaders decided that that should apply then to everything. Well, mainly, any time you were in the presence of something unclean, such as a Gentile marketplace. So the Pharisees asked why Jesus' disciples didn't hold to the teachings of the elders. In response, Jesus quotes a scripture talking about how honoring God on the outside, but having a heart that is far from God, is wrong. How caring about the outside, keeping up the appearances of being religious, but letting the inside and what comes out of you be the opposite, is wrong. Like washing the outside of the pot, but inside the part that gets used is dirty. Jesus challenges them to let go of the traditions of man and embrace And hold on to the way of God. That it is not what you put into your body or anything on the outside that makes you unclean, but what comes out of you that defiles you. And later the disciples would ask what he meant, of course, because they're the disciples, they never get it. And so he would explain that it's not what kind of food you put into your body that makes you unclean or being in the presence of unclean people that makes you unclean. It is what is stored up in your heart and then comes out of you that matters. Which, because of the amount of bratwurst and funnel cakes that I'm going to put into my body at the street fair following the 1030 service, is good news. Just kidding. Not about the bratwurst, but about what I think Jesus meant. When, he, when I said you could eat whatever you want, I don't, I don't think that's it. But with this understanding, with this context of what had happened previously, with the importance that Jesus is focusing here on our heart, let's move into our text for today. So I would invite you to pull out your Bibles if you brought them with them so that you can mark them up. The text will also be the Mark 7 there in your bulletin. We can look at that as well. Or you can follow along with me as the verses appear on the screen. Now this again is from Mark chapter 7. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered the house, didn't want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. Jesus is traveling through a Gentile city and region, goes into a house not wanting people to know. Perhaps he is taking care here not to needlessly offend anyone by entering the house of a Gentile. We don't know whose house it is. Perhaps he's just tired. We don't really know. But we do know is that the text kind of nonchalantly offers an amazing truth here. Jesus cannot stay hidden. At that, I think we should smile and never forget that. The light of the world cannot be hidden no matter where he goes. Anytime Jesus is present at all, he finds a way to touch lives because he cannot be hidden. And we, right, the light of the world must remember this. To show him, to speak of him, to bring him in wherever we go. Bring his hope, his love, and to not be afraid but to boldly show and boldly speak and boldly love. 25 says, As soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by a spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia, begged Jesus to drive the demon out. 
So this woman whose daughter is possessed comes to intercede for her daughter. And perhaps since the section before, in the previous text, Jesus wiped out that distinction between clean and unclean foods, can it be here that we have him wiping out the difference between clean and unclean people? For if a Jew would never eat such food, as I mentioned earlier, they would certainly never associate with an unclean Gentile. And friends, of all the people who approach Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, this individual has the most against her from a Jewish perspective. In fact, verse 26 reads like a crescendo of demerit. She is a woman, a Greek Gentile, from the infamous pagans of Syria and Phoenicia. If the disciples stopped children from coming to Jesus, I wonder what they thought of this woman and the audacity of her coming to Jesus. Because at the time, it's important to remember that this feeling and belief between Jews and Gentiles was well known. Both sides, Jews and Gentiles, didn't always like each other. And both sides were well aware of what the other thought, aware of the words spoken about each other, aware of the understood rules. Yet the Lord is there at the house. And so she goes. Jesus says, first let the little children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread, toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's clump. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Went home, found the child healed. Like I said, there were sayings and words, and Jesus seems to discourage the woman, reminding her that the children, the Jewish people, get priority over the dogs, the Gentiles like her. And in that day, Jews often called Gentiles dogs in a very derogatory way. To the Greek, the word dog meant a shameless and audacious woman, used exactly with the same connotation that we use when we call people dogs of a certain gender today. Yet Jesus here did not use the normal word for dogs. In the Greek, he softened it into little dogs, the diminutive there. Jesus is reminding the woman of her place, yet not wanting to push her away, he uses the term affectionately. Basically, he's taking the sting out of the word dog there, the foulness of it. But he is still speaking truthfully to the mission he was given. And the woman responds in great faith, accepts her low place, declares that she is not the priority accepted that there was understood differences in appearances on the outside, that she has no right whatsoever to be there, yet asks Jesus to meet her where she is. Doesn't argue, doesn't create a big scene, just in desperation is relying on the mercy of Jesus. And you see how he responds. Says her daughter's healed, and the woman leaves and goes. Now, real quickly, it more than likely rubs you the wrong way. I know it did me when I read this story, Jesus calling this woman a dog. And regardless of taking the sting out of the word, using the phrase, I looked at this and I was like, I don't want a Jesus who says that. Maybe you do too. What kind of a God would say that she is a less than, not a priority, that she wasn't worthy as if there was something wrong with this woman, as if she chose to be born a woman or a Greek or in a Phoenicia. And if he says that about her, 
what does he say about me? What if he says that I am less? What if he says that I am not worthy? What if he says that there is something wrong with me? Who of us chose to be born the way we were, chose our race, our nationality, our skin color? What if he says that I was born sinful and unclean? What if the truth is that we are all dogs and none of us have the right to be prioritized or to be called a child? How do we respond to this Jesus? Did we not stand together and confess that we have sinned? Did we not stand together and confess that we have done wrong or undeserving? Did we not call on God? Did we not beg to be forgiven and to have Him come and meet us under the table? And how do you think He will respond? He will meet us at the table. He will provide for us the meal, His very body and blood regardless of who we are born as, by the word and the water, we are born again. Regardless of where we come from or what we look like, we are made by faith in Christ into children of God. Made new, made whole, fed and nourished, each one of us on account of Christ, made clean. We have a God who comes to us, makes us clean on the inside, does not require us to do what we can't, but in Christ does for us the impossible. The text keeps going. Jesus getting back to the mission of making unclean clean, of taking lost and broken, of taking hurting and ones in need and making them whole. Jesus leaves and some other people bring a man who is deaf and could hardly talk to Jesus. Another example of intercession here. Friends of the troubled man bringing them to Jesus. And after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, spit, touched the man's tongue, looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, which, sigh, I love that, that inward groan. The Lord's compassionate response to the man's pain, the man's sorrow, and Jesus' own pain and sorrow of the sin that is in this world. Maybe that sigh was a prayer to the Father for that word right there is the same that Romans uses when the Spirit groans. And Paul's talking about prayer. Opens the man's ears, tongues loosened, and the man begins to speak plainly. And in case you forgot what the prophet Isaiah said, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Friends, Mark very clearly wants us to know that the Messiah is here and is bringing the glorious benefits of his rule. Eyes open to see Jesus for who he is. Ears open to hear the gospel and the hope that is found in him. Filling us with the strength and feet fitted with the gospel to bring and shout and tell and share. And for me personally, I love that water will gush forth. 
streams in the desert. There's this beautiful piece that I think connects to this part in Ezekiel where this tiny drop of water out of a temple keeps dropping and then suddenly becomes a mighty river rushing through the barren wilderness and the dry deserts all to one place, the Dead Sea, where this river turns that salty, unlivable water into something pure and life-giving. Metaphor for the heart. A heart that is unclean, full of sin, made into something new. The love and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus makes the heart clean so that out of it comes life and praise and love all to the glory of God. And as we close, I just want to point out one more thing in this text. So let's bring up those verses again. Now, I'm not saying Jesus gave the man a wet willy, but he did do something curious in healing this man throughout his ministry. Jesus used many different ways of healing. He healed with a word. He healed without saying anything. He healed in response to someone's faith. He healed in response to another faith of another person. Healed those who asked. Healed those who didn't ask. Healed those who touched him, who cried out to him. Healed those who approached him. And you better believe he still heals today. And I know that everything seems to be spiraling out of control, that every time we look at our phone, it's like looking through the valley of the death with everything that's going on. I know that in this moment, each one of us feels different, has different experiences that we're coming from, different needs, different struggles, different strongholds, different pain and different fears. And if you're finding and asking yourself, what should I do? We come to the table. We come in prayer. We come in humility. We come to our Lord. For he has never left. The Lord is still here with us, reminding us that he is still good, still kind, still the same God who leads through the fire, who separates the sea, who in our doubt reaches his hand out, pulls us up, he is the one who does not change, wins the victory now and always. What can separate us from the love of Jesus? He will meet us and bring the healing we need because every moment of grace, every bit of life where it seemed to be too much and he pulled us through every single one of those moments, I am convinced, points to where our help comes from like a million tiny little crosses throughout our lives that show this is never the end. But Jesus does what Jesus does time and time again. Brings life, hope, and healing. Peace to each one of us in different ways. Text ends by saying he has done everything well, all things good. Oh, one more slide, Mark. There it is. Wait, one more slide, Mark. No, no, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Everything well. It's true of creation. Even truer of his work of redemption in our lives. 
everyone who is hurting, everyone who is burdened by doubt, by fear, by pain, by shame, by feeling different, come to the Lord. See Him clearly. Experience the love that He has for you, the hope in Him, the healing, the newness of life. The Prince of Peace comes to you meets you where you are at, meets you right here. We keep our eyes in Him and hands out for our hearts to be filled and made clean. I love our text today. 